0: Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and every episode we get into what has made our guests vulnerable and how they've learned how to own their awkward in order to live their best life. Stay tuned so you can hear every awkward moment in today's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Own Your Awkward. I am super, super, super excited today. I have my amazing good friend for a long time and the author, illustrator, the unicorn, creator of Phoebe and Her Unicorn, Dana Simpson. Dana, how are you?
1: I am very, very well. Thank
0: you. Excellent. I'm so happy to have you here today. It's I've looked forward to this conversation.
1: I've looked forward to it, too, and then I completely flaked on you the first time we tried to do this, but today I'm here.
0: That's okay. It's, it's all about enjoying those awkward moments, you know?
1: <laughs> I had another house guest that day, and I could only focus on one thing, I guess.
0: That's fair. Uh, you know, we we got to keep our, our area of focus. I, I'm like a puppy. It's like I can only <laughs> see one thing, and as soon as I have a distraction, it's like, uh-oh, I forgot what I was supposed to do.
1: Life is a series of soccer balls you're chasing around
0: a field. I love that. So Dana, you have been busy uh, for the world to know. We went to high school together.
1: We did. We stayed lunch together on
0: the steps. I, yeah, we were the outside kids. We were. It was awesome. In, in, in
1: every sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was that was those were some fun times. In you know, in a way that it took me a long time to look favorably back on my high school years. There were a lot of good things that I liked about it.
1: Yeah, my memories of hanging out with you in high school are all very happy. Not everything from high school is, but that
0: was a good time. Right. Yeah, same here. Like, you know, we had band together. We went on some road trips. It was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, we went camping that time.
0: Yeah. Also, you guys are, sorry, guys, we're going to go down just a rabbit hole. There's going to be a lot of high school memories just interjected.
1: We've known each other a long time, and the, the, it's going to show up in the conversation. It just, yeah. It's how how it's going to be
0: it is but uh that's it's it's awesome but but we're here to talk about you and uh and all the stuff you have going on you've been very busy which is exciting yeah one of your books here Phoebe and her unicorn but uh I'm sure that all of you know there are many many books and comics series in the paper and all sorts of stuff
1: yes uh my Phoebe and Her Unicorn is syndicated. It appears in a couple hundred newspapers every day. Um, and there are now 15 books. And you can get them wherever there are books.
0: And that's as much as I'm going to plug. Right, that's fair. No. You got
1: stuff to talk about.
0: We got stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I just, I'm really excited for all of your success. So it's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, uh, so what What's the most exciting thing you see going on in the world right now most positive
1: kids uh-huh. like, i I don't have kids myself, but i my job is very kid facing I go and do schools and libraries and stuff, and I interact with kids and the kids give me so much hope like they are so much smarter than we were. <laughs> I I talked to them and like the you know they've read so many more things than I had read. They're they're so aware of the world and so progressive in a lot of ways. And I really it's like okay, can we just give you the world now?
0: <laughs> right.
1: I mean, I'm I'm very hopeful for for the youngest people in our society and who they're going to become and where they're going to take the world.
0: I I love that. I, I also really appreciate that you call out how much smarter they are than we were because I talk to kids and they they mention things culturally or geographically or historically anything that that I'm thinking, I know I did not know that at that age, and I don't even know if I knew it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've had those conversations with kids a lot, too, and it's like, wow, maybe the internet wasn't a giant mistake,
0: right? Well, it just it may I've always thought, well, maybe it was me. Maybe I thought I was smarter than I was. <laughs>
1: If so, though, me too, because it's like I was considered one of the smart kids. And I feel like the average kid I interact with now is smarter.
0: Right. Well, that's a good point, though, with the Internet. Kids have grown up with essentially an encyclopedia in their pocket. uh, Yeah. Every volume of every encyclopedia ever in their pocket.
1: You know what that makes challenging for me? trying to correctly write a contemporary child because my job is writing dialogue for a 10 year old yeah and so i have to like and i don't have any children i i I have seven nieces and nephews and i've used them as a resource many times it's like Mm -hmm. do kids know about this thing or (laughs) how, how does this thing in school work now i bet it doesn't still work the same as it did 35 years ago yeah um, yeah and like I my fear is that I'll get too old and too distant from what the experience of being a child is like now to be able to do my job but not so far but I, I try and stay plugged in because kids are kids are great and they deserve to be met where they are
0: That that's true and and they're going to understand and relate to you better when you do meet them where they are
1: I think so. I think kids appreciate when you're actually listening to them.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. I I tell you, I can relate to that idea of what's even, how do things even work now? Uh, A couple months ago, I did a workshop about change for the middle schoolers in the grade school that I went to Mm. going back into the same classroom that I had sixth grade in that's gotta be a trip. It was, it was trippy. It's things were in some ways, very much the same but completely different there the the chalkboard is now a whiteboard the um they had a they have this built-in overhead projector that go you know is attached to the laptop all this stuff that theoretically i've seen all of these gadgets in in business and in corporate life and these are not technologies i hadn't heard but to see them overlaid into the setting that you remember
1: into a place that in your mind is frozen in time to like decades ago exactly and now you've seen that it's moved on but without you it's honestly it's kind of one of the reasons i don't live in washington anymore Mm. um because I, i i still love the place i grew up i lived there till i was almost 40 but um by the end it sort of felt like i was I was a little tired of seeing things that i remembered clearly from my childhood in a contemporary context
0: oh that's fair it was
1: a fair. jarring in, in sort of that same way like oh that's the thing from my childhood oh but they but but now it's been updated and i don't know it's i mean i, I still like visiting home and stuff
0: but mm-hmm. i like
1: being someplace that i don't have decades of memories attached to for progress to disturb
0: yeah it's just all new I, I yeah, love that.
1: it's a new it's a new adventure
0: yeah no that's that's an interesting perspective because I have never lived anywhere else I've visited other places but I've wondered sometimes how that would feel to be in a place that is not where I'm from
1: I've, uh, I've lived in California for six years now, and I'm and now I'm starting to have memories attached to stuff here. It's like, oh yeah, when I first moved here, this was that, and now it's this. Like I no, don't know,
0: I I, I felt like I...
1: again in five years.
0: <laughs> well, I just felt like I just missed you because you were living up here, and and you know the whole time that I was married and I was not active on any social media, so I didn't stay connected with anybody. Uh, completely my fault for that. And, I have... and I'm a little
1: hard to find because I changed my first name 20 years ago so
0: well that was so yeah so then as soon as i started reconnecting with everybody it's like dana just moved like just last year (laughs) it's like yeah
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah no i I, it was like that with a couple people too it's like we just reconnected and now i'm leaving Yeah, yeah my my spouse got a job at the university down here
0: yeah which is awesome
1: yeah, before that, they worked at um, University of Washington. They've they got a sort of niche doing IT work for colleges. Okay. Which okay. is cool. And, uh, you know, we get to be in college towns a lot.
0: Yeah, that's, that's got to be fun, too, especially with all the art scene and stuff.
1: Yeah, there's always stuff going on.
0: So, Dana, the world wants to know, we'll bring everybody on here to ask them, what's that awkward thing you've had to own to live your best life?
1: Oh, my gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> I feel like picking one is hard, but there is one big obvious one. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that I am trans. Transgender, right. For those who don't know how to complete the word, although I think that's fewer and fewer people. When I first came out as trans, people were like, what? And now I feel like people have some sense of basically what that means. That mm-hmm. I was assigned one gender at birth and now live my life as the other one yeah and um yeah that i always knew not every trans person does Some people wake up when they're 40 and are like oh that's what has to change and that's valid too but for me i i just always from the time i was a little kid i felt like it was a big cosmic joke on me Mm -hmm. that oh i i feel like this is wrong i feel like it I'd make so much more sense as a girl and but at the time there was like no people in the media did not talk about being trans or if they did it was just a punchline um it was I didn't know any trans people it felt like it felt like a secret I was just gonna have to sit on my whole life and that takes a toll on you yeah having to live with something you think you could just never tell anybody and the the few times i did attempt to tell somebody they'd be like well sucks to be you because gender is not something you can really change um and so i thought i was just gonna have to live with it until one day in my 20s i kind of went i'm not living with this anymore if this is something you can change i'm going to change it and i by that point i feel like i had sort of tried everything else Mm -hmm. i had you know Uh, I'd gotten I was with my current spouse at the time like we've been together since we were in our early 20s um I I had found love I had found my passion for cartooning and been wasn't even paid a lot yet but I was doing it I'd found the thing that makes me happy to do and I still wasn't happy and tried going to try to I went to grad school for a while I uh moved away from Washington for the first time. I was I lived with my spouse in Ann Arbor, Michigan for a while during this time. And I was like flailing. I felt like I was like, trying everything. And then one day there was like a voice in my head that was like, you know what the problem is. Mm. But you've always known what the problem is. And there are people that have addressed this problem. Like I didn't know any trans people, or I thought I didn't, it turned out one of my friends was and had just never told me. Mm. And then she was like, "Oh, I'll help you." And that was she
0: was great. Nice. Hi, you, you have to have somebody to to on your whatever journey you're on. It's so helpful to have someone who has been down part of that road to just guide you in the right direction or get you to towards resources.
1: Yeah, and it just knowing when Rachel was like, "Oh, I'm also trans," and I was like, "You are." <laughs> I've known you for like two years and it never came up. But uh she was like, let me help you. And she like here's so here's she took me shopping. We had long conversations about it. She ended up recommending both my therapist and eventually my surgeon. Um, she was she was the best. Um, and it made me feel it made me feel a lot less awkward having somebody else to do it with because nobody else in my life had any idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um and I feel so much less awkward as a girl. Like, I feel like I moved through the world in a way that makes more sense to me now. Yeah. It was the big funny, awkward thing. People used to make fun of how effeminate my mannerisms were. Like, I remember being in a bar in in grad school with some of my friends, and we're playing darts, and... Ever somebody noticed the way I would like sort of kick my back leg up when I would throw a dart. Uh-huh. in the group thought this was the funniest thing ever. Wow, <laughs> ah, look at You throw darts like a girl. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're like, I am it. a girl.
1: I'm a girl. I'm a, no and, one knows now, yet. <laughs> no, nobody questions it. Nobody's like, you have really effeminate hand gestures, whatever. Right. Nobody, it doesn't it's not weird to people now. Being a guy with effeminate mannerisms would it would be fine, but the whole problem was that I never felt like a guy. Yeah. and i feel much much less awkward in the world now that everyone acknowledges that
0: right and that's that's one of the tricky things too is like like you call out that you know being a guy with effeminate mannerisms isn't doesn't mean you have that you necessarily feel like a woman or that you need to transition and that's where i think it gets really tricky for people too because people want to peg everybody with a label and say oh well if you're this then then you should go over here you should be that but yeah. That's not necessarily the case.
1: But also sometimes people would be like, oh, why don't you just, why why isn't just being an effeminate guy enough for you? Well, cause it's not. Yeah. Cause I mean, that isn't, cause I, I am who I am and there's no like secret other box you could fit me into. Right. This, well, this was the this the, this is who I am. this is what makes sense to me. and something I heard from a lot of people um, most obviously my parents, but a whole lot of other people was that like they were skeptical at first, but when they saw how much happier and more natural yes. I seemed, it was like, oh, I now I get why that was something you needed to do. look at you now. you're so you feel so much more comfortable in your body.
0: mhm I, I constantly encounter people and I've been in that situation where, we make all these small changes. Like you mentioned, you know, going to different schools, chasing all stuff that you think is making you happy. And then it's still not enough. And it's because we don't make the big change that we need to make.
1: You're sort of avoiding it. You're hoping that if you make enough small changes, you might never have to.
0: Yeah. And
1: then one day, I just got to a point where I tried everything else.
0: hmm yeah. So do you remember when you really started to first tell people and like knew that you were gonna make this change, like how was that in that moment where you had to call mom and dad or call someone close and say, I'm gonna be someone that you are gonna see differently? First
1: person I had to tell was my now spouse. And we were, uh, we were at an outdoor festival in Ann Arbor that day. And I realized while we were walking around this festival and I was sort of people watching and looking at the guys and the girls and the voice in my head is like who are you kidding you know which one of these things you are and um I was like good god I do and having had that thought I couldn't put it away I knew as soon as I let it into the front part of my brain that this was going to change everything and the first person I had to tell was my spouse and I thought about it inside my own head all day and then on the drive back to our house i our apartment at the time i told them they were they were still using he him pronouns at the time um and so was i and i had i felt a little like i had just dropped a bomb into our relationship Mm. and it was hard Uh, their initial reaction was pretty negative. Uh, It was sort of like, they they don't really like when I talk about it. And so I I will be, I wanna emphasize that after that they were terrific and they've always been super supportive. But on that first day, it was kind of like, you're gonna do that to our relationship? What if you change so much that our relationship doesn't work anymore? And I was like, I don't know, I hope not. But I couldn't promise that because I didn't know what was gonna happen yeah that was really awkward and i've heard other people say like oh yeah transitioning destroyed my marriage or whatever i bet it does a lot of the time i didn't know that it wasn't i I, it eventually just made us stronger and allowed them to confront some issues they'd been avoiding too but that was all in the future and we didn't know what was
0: going to happen yeah that's in that moment you you don't know where the road's going to go but you know you need to make a turn
1: yeah and they were sort of like but I kind of like the way things are now. Sure. And you know, we I had we'd moved in together about a year earlier. Um mm-hmm. our relationship was finding its its feet. Um it's so funny now we've been together forever. We're like one of those old married people <laughs> in the early days.
0: Well, it really shows how strong your love and relationship is that um, you know, you could go through whatever and and be even stronger
1: yeah and now it's just a thing we went through it's a journey we went on together and mm-hmm. i love that i think if you love each other it tends to find a way i was lucky i met the person i was i do feel weird using this language but the person i was supposed to be with i, I met when we were like 19 mm-hmm. which was just a straight and online um we lived in different states
0: oh wow this
1: was back when meeting people online was disreputable.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: My niece, uh,
0: it wasn't like now where everyone's got the app on their phone. Yeah, we're
1: like one in, one in two couples met online. Mm-hmm. And,
0: yeah, and, and everybody's like, rolling their eyes like, oh, we'll yeah, see.
1: Yeah, another couple that, that meet, met online, but like back then it was disreputable and my parents were not crazy about it. Speaking of my parents, yeah, um, I had to tell them. And the the parent that I talked to is my mom. My dad and I like each other fine, but dad's not a talker. Okay. Like so many men of that generation. Sure. And I wanted to tell her in person. So I waited until a few weeks later when I was in Washington and I was at their house. And I was like, mom, I, I have something I have to tell you. Can we go for a walk? And we went for a walk. And I just told, I just flat out told her. Rip the band aid off. <laughs> and she was so obviously relieved. Oh, wow. On a couple of levels. One, I think from the way that I presented it to her, she thought I was going to tell her I had cancer. Oh. <laughs> it was like, oh. is We're not that dying. You're not dying? Great. Okay. Uh, what was the thing again? Um, but also, she was like, there's always been this, this deep unhappiness in you that I could never touch. Mm. That's how she put it wow and she was like i'm so relieved to have a name for it and so she was like okay so what are you gonna do I, one of her first questions was are you gonna have surgery i was like yeah probably but not for a while that's like deep into the process and I mean, we're, we're
0: beginning here right <laughs> yeah
1: we just walked we walked around gig harbor for like two hours just talking about this wow. and at the end of that conversation she said to me have you have you have you picked a name because obviously you can't keep calling yourself my old name, which I'm not going to say. And uh, I was like, "Yeah, there's a few I'm thinking of, but what do you think? And she said, I like the name Dana for you. Oh. And I was like, and that was not one I'd been thinking about. But I was like, huh, mm. yeah, that's, I like that one. I, I love that. Yeah, so mom picked my mom picked my first name twice.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. She picked both times. I love that, and it's like that's the ultimate acceptance right there. Of not just, not just okay, we're gonna deal with this, or we're gonna, you know, we won't, we won't gripe about it or whatever, but to actually show up was supportive.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, it was it was hard for them at they first. get they got my pronouns wrong for like the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody, including my sister, who I was, I was worried about my sister because she's kind of religious, but mm-hmm. she was totally fine. And I've always just been Aunt Dana to her kids. Yeah. Wow. She, yeah. It's It's been pretty great. I, Shortly after that, shortly after I, like, went full time, um, I was at a dinner with my family. It was grandpa's 89th birthday party. Mm. And uh, we're sitting at this table in a restaurant. And... Someone, my dad, my dad was a dentist, he's retired now, but somebody who was a patient of his came in and was like, oh, hi. And my dad was like, oh, this is my family, these are my kids, and introduced me by the correct name. And she was like, oh, I thought you had two boys and a girl. And without pausing, my dad goes, no, I have two girls and a boy. That's and she's like, oh, awesome. all right. And then she she leaves and I was like, dad, that was awesome. And he looked at me and was like, what? It's true. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just shut it down, and and the thing is, it doesn't need a lot of explanation. Like sometimes we feel like, oh, I need to go through a. Well, you may, you know, it doesn't matter.
1: Oh yeah, that well, that's that's kind of another thing that like people are always like, oh, how am I going to explain this to my kid? It's one sentence. Yeah, it's actually not a complicated concept. Like on the occasions when I I usually when I like go to schools, I don't talk about this. Because it's not really why I'm there. Sure, but there have been occasions when I do. Usually, people are like, "Could you talk about this? We have a trans kid at the school. It might be helpful if you went into it." Yeah. And every time I've done that, the kids just nod like I told them my shoe size. Like,
0: <clears throat> yeah,
1: you're you're a girl now. You used to be a boy. That that's like it's such a simple concept. It's yeah. only complicated if you make it complicated.
0: True, and and like you said earlier. You know, when we were growing up and <clears throat> in the '90s, there were not things on TV about anybody going through changes like this. There weren't even anything about people really being gay in a in a typical life where they're just living their life. It was always like you yeah. said kind of that that the crazy person on the show or the the humor or whatever.
1: Oh, totally. There was. Um always like the one episode of a sitcom where there's the gay character who's there for that one episode right and they're there so all the other characters can be uncomfortable but then decide by the end oh actually they're fine and it's like a huge growth moment for the main characters and then the gay person vanishes and is never there again
0: Mm -hmm. yeah they had their one yeah i think golden girls had an episode like that probably every show where it's
1: yeah Uh i Third Rock from the Sun had an episode like that. Like Seinfeld had the the that weird one where people think Jerry and George are gay. Oh like,
0: yes, I remember that one.
1: Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's because I'm not one who's <laughs> be offended by humor and stuff when it's not from a hateful place. Like I can laugh at anything and enjoy uh, when things are not hateful. Oh sure. Part of the <clears throat> where that is sometimes
1: but you start to notice you're never the main character after a while mm. you start to notice that that uh there's never anyone like you or if there is they're just there to service the personal growth of the straight people
0: mm. wow
1: you start you start to notice after a while do, do I, I people like me are not the focus of the story ever and that is something that has changed like you can have gay or trans protagonists in something that's fairly mainstream now and right you know certain people will yell about it but those people yell about everything
0: right yeah and that's that's the thing is i think we sometimes have to remind ourselves that the loudest people are not the majority they're just they want to yell about something
1: yeah you often do have to remind yourself of that i thought i'm probably jinxing myself by saying this but i thought honestly that when i fell into the career niche that i did like i didn't necessarily set out to become a children's book author that's just where i wound up like i cartoonist was my career ambition and yeah. then i started drawing the strip about a kid in a unicorn because that's what i wanted to do and also, is what my publisher—I had a development contract, and it was what my publisher would agree to release of the ideas yeah. that I had. Yeah. And um, so, and then I've been doing the strip for a couple of years, and I was like, "Well, it's time to release a book. We're going to release this as part of our comics for kids line." And I was like, "That makes sense. Kids like unicorns."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I sort of found myself in in this children's author niche, which is wonderful because I kind of like kids more than I do adults, and um, then. I started thinking, but I'm a, I'm a trans person. I'm a transgender woman in this niche Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that some Christian parents group is going to get their knickers in a twist about this at some point. And I am going to come under public fire.
0: Mm.
1: And so far, no. Good like their individual jerks will come at me once in a while yeah in the comment section or whatever somebody post a one-star review on amazon and throw a bunch of slurs at me but like that's that's only happened a handful of times and it's always just one lone jerk yeah it's very rarely up to this point never like a concentrated push i know that happens to some people and i'm still worried my number will come up eventually but so far it's like the world saw the existence of a trans woman writing for kids and went yeah and
0: yeah like why do we want to fight about that
1: yeah go ahead come at the unicorn lady see see how (laughs) it works out for you
0: (laughs) right like i've been through plenty i can handle it
1: (laughs) i can handle it and i don't think the world's gonna be like yeah get her
0: yeah you know i used to I I have really practiced reframing things. And one of the things I I had somebody post some negative comments on it, on something a while back and, and it was small in the scale things, but I just remember thinking, yes, I've made it. If the haters are coming for me, then I must be getting attention. And, and that's kind of my way of being able to separate it from taking a personal attack.
1: You definitely, as a person, as a public facing person, as a, with somebody was who, who has decided to become a public figure—that is something you have to get past. It's yeah. gonna happen. And for me, it was sort of like even before, even before transition, even before Phoebe. I was a web cartoonist before that. I used to do a strip called Ozzy and Millie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Ozzy and Millie was uh, online only, and it had an audience of—I don't—I don't know, don't know how—I don't know how many people. Let's just you say a million. Yeah, there's so. 90 million people. Right. And,
0: yeah, there you go. Even better.
1: Uh, it was it was enough that I attracted some haters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the people who seem to hate you in a way that I'm saying, like, you hate me more than I am invested in anything. Right. Like, what is going what did I ever do to you? And every once in a while somebody comes along and just throws venom at you. Like even when I probably only had a few dozen. People reading me, I had one or two times that people would be like just vicious for no reason. And you sort of have to be like, I mean, I mean it really hurt it first. Yeah. And then you kind of have to develop a thicker skin and be like, well, this is the price of God. You know, before that, um, in college, I wrote for I worked for the newspaper and I wrote I wrote a column once and I got a letter to the editor. I was the opinions editor. So it was a letter to me about me. And I I got this letter instructing me to kill myself for the good of humanity. Oh
0: my gosh. That is. I was like
1: this, it was from someone I had met too. I mean, it wasn't a very big big college. Sure. Um, And I was sort of freaking out about this and my, like staff advisor for the newspaper, who was also my journalism writing instructor, said, look, every columnist, including people like Dave Barry, gets these. If you're going to do this, you're gonna have to find a way to live with that. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. This is the (laughs) price of being visible. Maybe I wanna just go live in a cave, but- Yeah. You know, you, you, it it does actually get easier mm-hmm. you start to tune it out, especially if a lot of other people are being nice.
0: Yeah. Now, do you remember, um, like as you were, as you were starting to show up as a woman more, do you remember how that felt being in the room, presenting yourself the way you've always felt on the inside and now it's on the outside? Was, was that awkward or was that like, I'm home?
1: It was both. Like there is a term uh, that some trans people use, gender euphoria, which I guess is the is the opposite of gender dysphoria, um, where you get to be yourself for the first time, and there there is a an elation that goes with that. It's like, oh my god, I never thought that I could do this, and here I am. But the thing is, no one passes right away. I certainly didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, these days, I do fine but you know the first little bit i did not so well and you'd go to the trouble you put on makeup and girl clothes which no one's good at at first right you've never done you don't know what you're doing um and for a while you're more awkward than you've ever been and people do pick up on that and there were the first few times i went out like Trying to present myself to the world that way and mostly failing, mm-hmm. it was more awkward than anything else I'd ever experienced. It was. It, it, there were moments that was like maybe this is impossible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was hard. Those those moments were hard. Um, you you go along, you get better at it. I think a lot of it ends up being confidence. Like it's it's the whole thing where if you seem like you're supposed to be somewhere if you seem like you're supposed to be doing something most people will just accept you as you present yourself
0: mm-hmm. and
1: once you get over that awkwardness a little bit people pick up on that new confidence and will just interact with you as you as you've presented yourself the trouble is getting to that
0: point yeah getting
1: I, over that initial awkward hill
0: right yeah as you were describing it I was just picturing almost reliving, you know, teenage years where you're trying to come into your own and there are all those moments where you don't quite know how to wear the adult clothes or all this different stuff. But now you're doing it as an adult in a whole new, on a whole new level.
1: That is absolutely the way it is. It's um, many people describe it as this, describe transitioning as a a second adolescence, a second puberty. And and it really is right up to, the fact that you have to chemically go through puberty again. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what hormone replacement is. You go mm-hmm. through the other puberty. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been through puberty twice. Yay. I... <laughs> yeah. and, and, I... and, and, and social adolescence twice because you're absolutely right. It's uh, you know learning how to wear the adult clothes and how to present yourself to people as an adult in this new way and it really is. It's it's like being a teenager again for a while, and that's it's not that much fun when you're in your twenties or thirties.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like I thought we already did this. Why am I having to go through this again? I, didn't
1: like this I did the my first time. <laughs> this sucked before. Why do I have to do it again?
0: Right. But uh, but when you know how, especially now, knowing how happy you are, like it's worth it. I would imagine.
1: Oh yeah. I kind of. I think about me in my twenties going through all of this, and I want to sort of, I want to time travel back there. And you see that those like memes on Twitter every once in a while. It's like, what five words would you say to younger you? Oh, and cool. I would just, yeah, I, I mean, that's not hard for me. I would just tell her, it's all going to work out.
0: I love that. Yeah, I, I had a um, a friend who's trans that I didn't know was trans till, till he told me. And I had a moment where they were upset that someone had outed them. And it was this eye-opening moment for me, because as a gay person, the further you come from the change, the less you care about people knowing what you've been through. It's like, well, oh, they yeah. but, but I had to realize for them, it's actually the opposite because they're they're in this new space and not wanting to be tied to an old identity. And it was an that
1: opposite is, way. That is one way the two things are different. Like if you're gay, then you just are gay. Yeah. It's, just, you, you, it's about embracing that aspect of yourself. Whereas if you're trans, transition, I mean, just think about the word. You're, you're moving from one thing to another. And once you've arrived, nobody wants to be transitioning forever
0: right yeah
1: just get to the other side and then carry on with your life or at least that's what i wanted and i think i think that's common
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh, um that's one thing that i think is dangerous in the lgbtq umbrella of of collaboration is that people think that because you you identify with any one of those letters that you must understand all of the letters and and it's like no i've never had that experience it's You know, so I can't speak to other than through who I know.
1: Yeah. And we I think we're we're lumped together under that umbrella because we do have a lot of we have a lot in common. Our interests often align, but there are in, in some other ways kind of fundamentally different experiences.
0: Yeah. I have I, been working on a joke. I haven't quite perfected it yet where, you know, someone asked me if I'm LGBTQ and I'm like, well, 20%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, huh? I'm like, well, I'm just the G, you know? But, and
1: I, I, I feel sometimes like people who are not any of those things do maybe not appreciate the subtle dis- differences that exist within that umbrella. You right. know. Yeah,
0: definitely. And uh, yeah, I, it's fun. So, so, yeah, so things are things have have changed. You've did you notice? I, I have to imagine that a lot of relationships changed through that. I mean, you talked about your mom being able to say, "I knew there was something." I mean, that ha I, I'm just guessing that that has brought a lot of things closer. You talked about your spouse relationship being closer.
1: Uh, yeah. My mom and I have a different relationship than we did before too. Like she, when I was going through transition, my mom was like, here, let me show you all the stuff I would have shown you when you were 10, if I had known. Oh. Like she, she, you know, we went shopping. She, her, her taste in clothes is a little more conservative than mine. So I had to rebel against her a little bit. <laughs> again. <laughs> again, speaking, speaking of going through adolescence again, um, yeah. and um, you know, she, uh, she taught me how to do makeup and she was like, here, let me do my best to help you into womanhood. And my mom's family has a long history. Like she was really close to her mom. And her mom was really close to her mom. There's like this long history of mother-daughter friendships in, in my mom's family. And so feeling welcomed into that space was really, it was one of the best things about it.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's your mom is great. I I have such fond memories of both your parents, but I just remember coming over to your house and your mom being so genuinely welcoming.
1: Oh, my mom is such a kind person. I I would love to be more like my mother because she's one of my favorite people.
0: It's good to have someone to strive towards. That's that's positive.
1: And my, my parents have been so happy seeing me, seeing me be happy and seeing me be successful. Like, I know I was the kid they worried about for all sorts of reasons. Right. That- my brother's a doctor. My sister is a uh, stay-at-home mother of five. And I am, I was the the one who spent my 20s casting about and trying to figure my life out. And I know I was the one that they were like, mm-hmm. but then everything worked out. And I can tell how, how happy they are about that.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So how has this affected life outside of relationships and stuff? I mean, you, obviously you're very successful, but do you feel like you could have gotten to where you are if you hadn't have addressed this or.
1: I don't no, I think if I had never addressed it, definitely Phoebe and your unicorn could not exist mm. because Phoebe is a statement. I think probably only a woman could be making, mm. um, only somebody who has recognized themselves and maybe interacted with the world in that way. Um, It's it's definitely, it's an expression of that side of me. It's I think Phoebe Inner Unicorn is an unabashedly feminine project. I'm running into this this as a problem right now um, because we're developing it as a show at Nickelodeon right now.
0: Awesome, Um, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Well, don't congratulate me yet. Um, <laughs> there's the hurdle we've hit. It's, it's the second time we've tried to develop it as a show. We were in development at Amazon Studios for two years before they dropped us and effectively canceled all their kids' TV programs they had at the time. Oh. And Nickelodeon is, there's been some executive changes there. And they're starting to be, the new executives are starting to be like, there aren't enough boys in this.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Like, yeah. And like, there are some. It's not zero. If there was one girl, you'd think there were enough girls. But like, right. yeah, boys have to be. You like, know, how
0: boys are. It's okay to appeal to different audiences and have different. Yeah,
1: people. there's there's this idea there that girls outgrow animation. It's like maybe that's just because you're not making enough shows for them.
0: Right. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, I have a friend who's. a big TV animation figure. And uh, as soon as it started happening, I was like, hey, you want to get lunch with me? And we just complained about this from <laughs> the
0: time. So, yeah, the overriding ceiling. So, yeah,
1: Oceanside cafe going, yeah, Hollywood and men are the <laughs> worst.
0: <laughs> what is it with them? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah but I, I do to to get back to your original question, yeah, i I do really think that Phoebe and her unicorn came out of me as who I allowed myself to become and couldn't have existed otherwise. Yeah. in terms of how people have how it's affected my career and and It's hard to say. I really don't know. I I do kind of feel like they released my strip in spite of my being trans, not because of it. Mm. But also, maybe being a woman has not been unhelpful. Like, I do kind of feel like most... Okay, let's talk about the publishing industry for a second. Um, People don't know this, I find, but... Most people who buy comics are girls under 15.
0: Hmm. People don't know this.
1: Did you know I personally outsell Marvel?
0: Wow, I did not know that.
1: Marvel sells shockingly few actual comics. It's amazing. Uh, You know, they're they're this movie juggernaut, but in terms of selling actual comics, Marvel actually doesn't sell all that many. And um, if you look at the top sellers of comics, First of all, uh, manga, Japanese comics, that's its own whole category. Okay. They sell just a ton of comics. Yeah. Um, cool. In terms of non-manga comics, if you look at the list, it is all children's graphic novelists. Mm. Like 90%. Wow. You know, Dave Pilkey, uh, Captain Underpants, Dogman, um, Raina Telgemeier, uh, who is great, but I don't need to tell anyone that. She outsells me like three to one. Um. I'm I'm I am actually for the last year I've seen data for the eighth best selling non-manga comic artist in the world. Wow. That yeah. But people don't know that it's like a big secret that girls are the main market for comics. Mm-hmm. Because people never acknowledge girls.
0: <laughs> people. Yeah, and and yet there's we still have people saying that there's not enough boys in the comics that yeah. girls are buying already.
1: Yeah. W- we're not getting the right audience, even though we have this massive one because girls don't count.
0: Mm.
1: I, I do kind of feel like it's, it's funny. You know, I always worried that transphobia would take me down. And now the problem I'm running into is garden variety sexism.
0: Uh, yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with trans. It's just, it's, we'll it's,
1: it's just women.
0: Yeah, girls.
1: Wow. And I, I, I don't want to complain because obviously I'm doing really well, but I do kind of feel like I'd get more awards and more recognition if my audience were not young and female. Mm -hmm. There's sort of this idea that you're not as serious if you're writing for that audience. It's not as serious an audience to be, to be creating for. I don't have any hard evidence of that. So maybe I should say it less, but it's definitely something I feel.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, vibes are a real thing. You pick them up and it's always not always easy to, find the the evidence behind our intuition, but it's there for a reason.
1: I do think, though, that uh, I may not get as much recognition from the men who, for some reason, get to decide who gets recognition. But I am everyone's niece's favorite author
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, which is which is I would imagine in a lot of ways so much more rewarding.
1: Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's super rewarding. And and often I find that it's like like I'll be at a convention and a family will come up to my table and the adults will be like, oh honey, this looks like you might like it. What do you think? And the girl will be like, Yeah, I've read books one through six. Can I get book seven?
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, I tell you, when I when we reconnected and I found out what you had been up to, I like ran to this, well, I drove to the closest bookstore. And I'm like, okay, maybe they'll have a Phoebe and her Unicorn book. And there's a whole section. I was like, holy! <laughs> like, yeah,
1: it's, it's gone very well for
0: and, me. And it was like an end cap display. I was like, wow. So I, <laughs> I bought the first two, and and I honestly thought, I don't know if I'm gonna be into the comic book scene. I'm I'm buying them because this is my friend, and <laughs> I want to I want to see what it's like. But I opened it and I started reading the first Phoebe and her Unicorn. I felt like I was hanging out with you in high school because it was just so much embodied that, that oh, way yeah. to interact and just kind of casual. Like, it, it was cool.
1: That makes me really happy to hear. My my mom, my mom a lot. Well, her <laughs> mom is great. My mom always tells me, she reads the strip every day and she's like, you really remember what it was like to be you as a child. Like, yeah. PB, is, PB is a straight up self
0: portrait. Well, and yeah, and definitely the the choice of words, the tone, like like I could hear it coming through and it was, it was <laughs> really good memory. Well, and I read the first book like overnight. Like I just I didn't put it down. I was like, this is fun. So
1: well, I'm really glad to hear that. And thank you. I'm I'm glad that was your experience with it. Yeah. It was, I, I feel like I can really see you in this as a very high compliment to give an artist.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, and the thing is yeah I I, that's fair because I think that we pour ourselves into our work right so oh definitely it's uh but yeah it was it was also amazing to me to think about how you could actually come up with all of the text in the in the way that you do the way you know young kids are going to talk
1: yeah and like I said, I always worry that kids will start talking in some different way that I won't be able to connect to. And that'll be it for me. My well, stuff, just am like hopelessly dated.
0: Well, if they just keep reading your books, they'll just keep talking like your books.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm in charge of this now. I never thought about it like that. I have power over how children talk.
0: Well, that's what I thought was interesting was when you were stating how maybe people don't take it as seriously when your audience is young, primarily female readers it's, it's no different than you're servicing an audience, no different than textbook industry would be writing for, you know, you're, you're providing them with insights and tools and um, you know, all sorts of good stuff.
1: Something I always try to do too is I, I don't dumb down language at all for my audience and people tell me that they like that, but like, I enjoyed reading stuff that was a little above my head when I was growing up I liked encountering words I didn't know yeah getting to learn them and stuff and so you know I'll I'll include big complicated words in in Phoebe's stuff and then the um we still really started doing this in like book four or something but uh uh there's a little bit like a glossary at the end so if there's words you as a kid words or concepts that you as a kid don't know if uh you don't know what you know, multiverse theory is, or, or what cubism is, or whatever. Then, uh, it's there at the end, and now you know something you didn't before. And I always loved that stuff when I was
0: young. Yeah, that's. I. That's definitely. It's like you get these little. You sneak in the education along the way, uh, kind of trick them into it.
1: Yeah, it's it's education's only boring if you suck at it.
0: <laughs> True. Well. <laughs> Dana, I could I could just talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but I know that uh, that everybody has things to do. And and, you know, we will talk more. uh, But what what would be the advice before we go? What would be the advice you would leave our listeners on how they could own their awkward? You know what?
1: This is going to be the tritest thing that I have said the entire conversation. but (laughs) Follow your heart like I started to feel much less awkward when I stopped trying to be something that I wasn't. And I also found that for the most part, the world likes you more. If you just own it, you, you may feel awkward, but you're never the only one.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Be you and your people will
0: find you. Definitely. That's beautiful. Well, Dana, thank you so much for everything you're doing in the world. You're a great role model for so many kids. The books are entertaining, uh, Obviously, good friend. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Andy, it's always a pleasure. Talking to you is a delight. It always has been.
0: Yeah, Thank you. Everybody else, don't forget to share, subscribe. Make sure you read those uh, Phoebe and her Unicorn comics. Grab the books. And as always, own your awkward. Thank you so much for listening in for today's show. Be sure to visit awkwardcareer.com to continue your journey. And of course, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can find their awkward side and learn how to own it.